and in the parts of this report, they said climate change is extremely likely being caused by humans. The fact that 195 governments have said it is unequivocal. There is no stronger word to suggest that climate change is caused by humans. If someone is telling you that, nah, we're not causing it, it's natural cycles, they're a fucking idiot. One of the things I want to talk about recently, and we're a little late to the party, but the IPCC, the International Panel, Intergovernmental, sorry, Panel on Climate Change, has released their sixth report, the AR6. Um, so th this has started back in 1988. Uh, it's, and so just to clarify what people uh, know, United Nations is a uh, non-not-for-profit non organization that's made up of 195 uh, nations and governments around the world. I'm glad we cleared that up from the last yeah. podcast. Yeah, just to, to identify what the United Nations is. So it's, it's a discussionary group, right? Um, it's, it's for dialogue and talking about each other. Uh, intergovernmental organization. Okay, there we go. Perfect. Um, so it's designed to be dialogue between nations and governments. Um, first, And so the IPCC, started back in 1988, was to look at the effects of climate change. And before we start, I need to stress this. I am on the side of climate change. This report, while is the basis of a lot of our work, is the most sanitized, diluted down piece of uh, report that I've ever said. So whatever I say, like double or triple it. Because what I'm reading from the report is not actually what scientists believe. And I'll get into a really good fact mm. on that. The stat I've got is it's pretty much over 8,500 pages summarized into what... Closer to, I think it was over 10,000 this one. 8,500 so far summarized yeah. into like a report. Yes. yes Just of stats. Right. I think yeah. of the total report size is over 10,000. So this report, so this is the sixth one. So every few years they'll do one. And there are a few different working groups and then... The, this sixth report is made up of smaller reports. It's yeah. made up of four sections. But it's not a new report. It's just an update from the AR. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. a new revision it's of the report. It's a revision yeah. of like, so it's a projection of what climate change is supposed to look like, how best to manage it, um, what have we experienced, what's, where should we go and what do we need to yeah. do. And like, we're not greenies here trying to, like, we are pushing an agenda, but we're not here like forcing something down your throat. We are literally speaking from fact and science. Yeah. Like look, we are not pushing oh, look, it. I'll be agenda. called a greenie for this, but yeah. for me, I'm seeing an inevitable problem. I'm seeing there's solutions and I just get really frustrated when people don't see a solution. It's literally like watching a, like a like the children's um, pram going down a hill and going, that'll sort itself out. Yeah. Like that for me is what I'm currently experiencing. But so people might call me a greenie for seeing a problem and wanting to solve it, but I'll uh, yeah. we'll move look, on call, call us what you want. This is the report I yeah. refer deniers to when they say it's not real. So. Yeah. Yeah. So this report, again, is an update of the fifth report, um, and there have been a few changes to it. Now, the last report, one of the big things we're saying, and we talked about this in our previous podcast on the IPCC report, the fifth one at the time. Or I think this is, might have been the second one at the time. This is last year, possibly. What's that? The uh, IPCC report. It was the last a, time we did. Yeah. Blue, no. I was it 2020? Like, I feel like it was I feel like 2021. Yeah, we might so, have talked about the Because 2020, we weren't, we weren't talking about yeah. this podcast and whatnot. Yeah. Okay, so we'll talk about the sixth one and what the big updates are. So in a, in, it's made up of four different... Oh, actually, I'll talk about how the report sections. So there's four sections and they're like different working groups. These are the, the several thousand of authors. Hold on. Let me double check how many authors are in there. Um, there are 18,000 citations currently in this report. So it's, it's a lot of people. Imagine trying to get 195... Imagine your dining room table, right? And imagine a, your dining room table where you know people and your family and friends, except now it's 195 people. And yeah. trying to get them all to agree on something, 
Yeah. Imagine trying to all agree on what is the best food. Like, imagine that. 195 people, your friends and family, trying to agree on one thing together. Effectively, that's what this report does. Yeah. Get 195 people to, to agree on climate change. And so the, four, the report is made up of four sections. The first one is more or less like the what. It was the physical science basis. So what, how do we determine the data? And that was released back in August 21. The next one is the, the impacts, adaptation, and vulnerability. And so I guess that can be summarized as so what? Yep. What, it, what does this climate change data mean? What does it do? Now, that report, actually, that report was actually quite controversial. Um, it was super criticized of being too uh, conservative. Um, there was, so the way that uh, I had a friend describe it to, they said, well, at 1.1 degrees, where we're at right now, we should see two to three times the number of floods, bushfires, massive weather events around the world, right? They should yep. see two to three times now. However, current weather was experienced eight times the predicted number of events happening. When was the prediction made, though? This is February 2022. So they, so, oh, okay. sorry. so they said in the report, oh, right now we should experience three times the number of bushfires across the world. They said, no, we're experiencing eight. Yeah. So what you're saying now is about a third of what it should be. And they went, yeah. Because usually if you make a projection, right, you say uh, sharks will win next week or something right it's based on your current evidence yeah what they're saying is uh the sharks uh, what they're saying is your current baseline where you're currently at is so far wrong in the wrong it's it's incredible so every projection going forward is also always wrong mm. um so they were saying it's eight times more severe than what they were experiencing when they should have only been three times so when i say it's diluted that was just some of the data that came through it so that's the second section the third section um, came out in April 2022, which was the mitigation of climate change. Um, there was actually a group of scientists who were part of that committee that wrote the report and said, we're terrified because the report that we're writing, we don't believe is the report that will be released. They released some information to Scientist Rebellion, which is a, a scientific group, and they said we needed to cut emissions to 50% by 2030 across the world and 100% by 2045. None of yeah. that information actually made it to the report. So again super diluted but the one thing that we'll probably be talking about is the fourth release which is the ten thousand pages of summary or eight and a half yeah. uh, which was released in march of 2023 and it just kind of summarizes everything into one little report and this is when i'll get you to, to jump in because here's a few facts from the report there's some headline theories and uh patty you had a look at a few headlines as well so i'll get your immediate i just kept on seeing the word doomsday in it so oh actually it was weird it was like a few hundred times they reckon they use the word doomsday or something which if you if you know scientists, they're not very narrative driven. They yeah. don't really use. This is the media's words. job. This not, is the media's ma- job. Not to... storytellers. Yeah. Well, they're not storytellers. So if a storyteller is, the, the, imagine the driest person in your room saying, "We're gonna die." It's doomsday. It's effectively, it's Leonardo DiCaprio and Don't Look Up. He was just so yeah. casual yeah, about it. He's like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna die. Like, yeah, they went, "Oh, funny." Well, he was. Hope it hits my wife. He was hysterical. Like that, yeah. that is like the, uh, the famous Leo. Eventually, the, he got the, to the, that the, point. The, fa- yeah, the famous sure. DiCaprio scream. Sorry. Yeah. No, all good. But we'll talk about the main headline. So don't apologize. Continue yeah. though. The cool. one, the one headline that is important for me is in the, even in the last report, the IPC AR five, and in the parts of this report, they said human cha- human climate change. So sorry, climate change is extremely likely being caused by humans. The fact that 195 governments have said it is unequivocal. There is no stronger word to suggest that climate change is caused by humans. If someone is telling you that. Nah, we're not causing it. It's natural cycles. 
They're a fucking idiot. I'm sorry to say it. They're an idiot. If you get 195 people... They're not people an idiot. Read, they're just ignorant, man. Like, that's, no. And that's what we're here to do. That's exactly what Mate, we're here to do. In an we're age of to... information, ignorance is a fucking choice and they've fucking chosen to yeah. be dumb about it. Look, sure. if 195 countries who never agree on anything agree on this, that climate change is unequivocally driven by humans, then we have to take it at absolute face value. Yeah. And that's what we're here to do is yeah. bring this across to people who are just everyday listeners. Yeah. And the thing is, right, because that is quite a big step. People don't realize how big of a step that is, that, that understanding of how humans are causing it. They've even gone to the step of, we're trying to hit this 1.5 degrees. This Paris target was 1.5 because there's a lot of bad things that happen at 1.5. We'll actually talk about the difference between 1.5 and 2 degrees in a little bit. But yeah. So they've said 1.5 is the target because that means the least amount of death. This report says we are absolutely hitting 1.5. There is almost nothing we can do unless we just like Thanos snap everyone that we get to 1.5. And they've said it's very unlikely in the next 80 years that we're going to get to two, uh, get under 2 as well. And I'll show you a graph of this because it's wild. Um one of the other headlines was the inequality of this. And I was actually talking to uh, James about this just before the podcast. Developing nations are severely more likely to experience climate change than developed climate resilient. It's about 15 times the difference. The same way we're just talking about a water podcast. If you don't have basic water supply now and you get the one that the, the system infrastructure you have now in, uh, infected, it's so much worse than compared to Australia. We get flooding quite regularly now, but we can, yeah. we can move people out of the way. We have infrastructure to support Because it is one of my questions. Yeah. yeah. As someone who comes from like the non-energy sector, yeah. it is like one of my main concerns, yeah. but we'll get into that. So if climate change continues to progress, we're talking about 3.3 to 3.6 billion people severely affected. So, yeah. And that's current. So about half the world's population will be severely affected. We're talking about extreme humidity, lack of water, lack of land, lack of food, food, extended flooding periods, rain, torrential uh, winds, typhoons. We're talking extreme, half the population at current rate. Um, The other one was stalled progress. So uh, something that the United Nations talks about a lot is these things called NDCs, Nationally Determined Contributions. We kind of talked about it off podcast about how nations provide money to United Nations and they kind of divvy it out to the problems they they decide is the most important. Um, These NDCs, including the one Australia has, our NDC is to get um, 43% of emissions by 2005 levels by 2030, right? They said... Even with every single NDC that has been claimed, if it's hit, if it's hit, right? This is a policy that is very likely to miss. If we every single nation achieves what they've promised, we will still hit 1.5 in yeah. this, uh, this area. And one of the things they said when the AR5 report, which they've now updated, is the level of impacts of climate change is severely understated in that report. AR6, even though it's conservative, is extremely more progressive in terms of what so damage that is. These numbers seem fairly arbitrary, even though I know they're not. They've been yeah. calculated. But they say 43% by 2050, 60% by 2035, 69 by 2040, 84% by 2050. How are they coming up with those emission reduction targets? It's really difficult because emissions, uh, measuring what emissions is and what you're doing to solve it is really interesting. So... Um, emissions reductions, you can do that in a few different ways. The easiest one, stop cutting down trees. Trees naturally absorb carbon. So if you don't, if you stop cutting down all the trees, yeah. they just suck uh, carbon dioxide. They're the cheapest form of carbon capture. We bang on about new carbon capture and the carbon capture, just fucking plant a garden. Yeah. That actually is legit it. And so while we're chopping down the rainforest, the Amazon rainforest and Australia's doing their forestry, 
we are not only cutting down trees to burn and make carbon dioxide and methane and NOx and SOx, we're also reducing our ability to capture. Yeah. So one of the things they said is, well, if you agree to keep running your gas plant or coal plant, but you promise to build 50 forests somewhere, which can be done really cheaply, yeah. and in 20 years' time, that will capture way more carbon than you're emitting, you've made a net reduction, right? Yeah. So that's one of the things that some people have said. Will they do it? No. We, Australia had a promise of like protecting all these uh, forests, and we still chopped them down, and we still paid them to protect the forests. Yeah, yeah. So, because like, how do you keep someone accountable when the like the knock on effect is twenty years later? Exactly. Yeah. So like, what? How? How? This. That's why there's a lot of like gray area of these NDCs of oh we can't, especially specifically with developing nations where they can't get cheaper solar or wind or certain regions seasons like they can't get technology in like nuclear is too expensive they have to use coal and gas because they're just then infrastructure doesn't support anything else yeah they can keep doing that but they need to do something else to provide a reduction in carbon dioxide and there's like there's ways to make like funds go through um i'm gonna pull up a a graph here so for those who can't see there's a or no one's gonna be able to see but just imagine a graph where um from now to 2020 to about 2023 it kind of goes up this little black line it's going from about 40 to about 60 uh, gigatons of CO2 equivalent per it's year. A little, it's a yeah. little less yeah. than 60. It's around yeah. probably 55. 55. And there are a few different lines. Uh, for the sake of this argument, just imagine there's a red line that goes straight on. It just goes straight flat from now on. That line is what, with growing population, we will achieve with what we've promised so far. So no change to the amount of carbon per year. Oh, is Effective. that right? Is that right? Is it? Yeah. I thought it was just implemented. If we keep going like we are now. That's where we're going. Sort of. Yeah, thing. yeah. So that red line is the estimated. Yeah. Things. All that right. being said, we're already higher than that. Hmm. So that there's like a, a red kind of error range. So the further you go on the horizon, it gets wider. Like imagine like a band kind of expanding on this red line. It's flat. Yeah. That band is wildly huge on this graph. Because like I'm looking at that. the similar graph. It's not the exact same one, but the one I'm looking at, it's from the report as well. It's saying that if we started doing what we did, what we're doing now, but 30 years ago, we would have got the opportunity. So it's effectively yeah. an opportunity we've, we've missed. Effectively, yeah. we're, the report is saying is we've missed the window. Now yeah. we're going to say how much damage are we going to take on the fall? Yeah. Um, and trying to limit that now. And so the 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 1.5 degrees. Can Patty, how would you describe the 1.5 degrees emissions reduction line? It reminds me of a skate half pipe. <laughs> it's a it's like instant drop, right? Instant drop. Yeah, it's it's a huge change. Effectively, what they're saying is it looks plus. like a black run. Yeah. Um, it looks slopes. like yeah, it looks like a Japanese snow, uh, black run, right? Mm. And it looks like a huge like plummet, and then kind of curves out by maybe 2050. But it's it's a significant reduction. Yeah. Yeah. And how would you describe the 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 two degree two, uh, curve? Two degree is similar, but just a bit more, uh, le- le- less less of a drop, more like a steady decline. A uh, double blue run maybe is a good comparison. I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's it's also like a plummet, whereas the red line is kind of flat. And we're talking about zero carbon dioxide being emitted into the atmosphere. That's the overall goal. Um, and so, like, I'm saying 1.5 to, like, what does that mean, right? That no one really understands it. So I'm going to go to the next slide for me. And this kind of explains some of the differences between the 1.5 degrees and 2. So, again, just reiterating, we are hitting 1.5. Unless we do extreme changes now, we're hitting 1.5. So, Which probably won't happen. It's considering that we've made good steps, but we're, like, we need leaps and bounds. 
we we've been taking inches when we so need to take miles. To, t- to touch on what he's saying, I've got a note on this. Even if emissions tend to be very low, so that very low graph you see, if you're going to be 70 in the year 25, you're likely to experience the effects of 1.5 degree change. Low emissions being zero gigatons per year by the year 2050. Yeah. And what that looks like is species loss will be up to 60% in South Asia, parts of Africa and South America, and between 0 to 10% in the rest of the world. So is that 1.5 or 2? Uh, 1.5. Mean, mean sea level rise under the SSP 1 to 1.9, which is a category of very low um, in an emission scenario of 0.15 to 0.23 meters of sea level rise by 2050. Mm. And we're already at 0.2 meters, so yeah. that's an so- additional... So right now, between pre-industrial levels and now we're at 1.1, we're trying to get to 1.5, but we're on track to smash that target. Yay! Um, and then two degrees is like extermination. So what I'll do is I'm going to say a, a, a category. I will then say the degree. Well, I'll say 1.5 degree, 2 degree, then 3 degrees effect. So for example, animal and plant loss. So the first one is 1.5 degrees. Coral reefs will suffer a very frequent mass mortality. At two degrees, they'll experience they'll be mostly gone. At three degrees, fifty percent of all habitat is gone from the planet. So three degrees, that's like if we keep going the well, way we are. Under we, three, technically, yeah. So if three, but three degrees, that's it's like business the, as usual. That's the intermediate. Yeah, yeah, we keep going the way we are. We don't change anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, food availability. So this doesn't sound too bad, but maize production is down by six percent under one point five. Uh, at two degrees, nine percent of maize is gone, and by three, we're looking at two to three times more severe effects in tropical areas. Yeah. Um, sea level rise for 1.5. So this is what we're predicting to experience, 50 centimeters. So at current record, Venice is gone, right? Eight to 10 of the world's largest cities face substantial flooding. Yeah. Right? Amsterdam, I think Amsterdam's yeah. gone at that point as well. Uh, New York's gone. And New York, yeah. Yeah. Anything that's built near the water is gone. Yeah. Or extremely affected. Like you, 50 centimeters doesn't sound like much, but 50 centimeters then with tide on top of that, you could exceed massive amounts of S- water. Sydney will be gone. Sydney could be gone. Yeah. I think Sydney also is built up quite high enough and we are on ridges. We're so on, yeah. No, we're, 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 we're like, literally I'm, 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 I'm talking about circular key. Yeah. Opera house, gone. No, like even even against sea level, like we're known as the Eastern Highlands. Like that's literally yeah. geographically mm-hmm. what Sydney's... Like, it's it's lucky, hard to yeah. see, but I think, it's, I think Sydney's gone at one meter. Oh, speaking of, at, uh, sorry, two degrees, 56 centimeters. So at that point, either 32, mil- 32 to 80 million people either die or move. Yeah. Which is, again, probably more likely what's going to happen. And at three degrees, uh, several hundred million people have to move or they are drowned. Yeah. And we're talking about, again, the, with the equators, the way they're set up, they will affect island nations the worst. They will affect anything that's coastal uh, without resilience to it. So Australia will be affected. We will have to move most of a lot of our cities a little bit further in or build up further west. We're lucky that we can. We have a lot of land we, inland we as well. But yeah, we're fortunate in that sense. It's expensive land, but it's still land. Yeah, exactly. All yeah. land's expensive in Sydney. Let's not beat around the bush. Um, oh, <laughs> heating of the oceans. Here we go. 1.5. Um, so there is eight, 16 times more marine heat waves. Yeah. Which just kills the plant. So you can think, think of like food gone, right? Um, 99% of coral reefs are in danger at 1.5 degrees. Yeah. Um, there's 3% of uh, ice-free Arctic summer, which if that happens where it's full, full Armageddon. Um, it, two degrees is 23 times, 10% of it's gone. At three degrees, 41%, 41 times the number of marine heat waves and a 63% of chance we'll just have no ice in the Arctic's. Um, 
at 1.5, we expect to have 14% increase to heat waves, which for people who've experienced heat waves in Australia is bad. Imagine that 14 times worse. 14% worse, sorry. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Um, you like living in Dubai. Oh, sorry. No, no. I didn't read that right. 14% of the world is now exposed to heat, um, to extreme heat every five years, where it was zero before. Oh, well, increase, sorry. Um, at two degrees, it's 37%. Um, at three three degrees, uh, it's two point six times the number of heat waves across the world, uh, which is fucking wild. Um, droughts and also as well. So we can. There's a lot of like really bad consequences. So the difference between one point five one point five is pretty much Armageddon. Um, two degrees is Armageddon, but someone's poking you in the back, and three degrees is we're not here. Yeah. Effectively, that's the best way to describe it. So three it. degrees is like suffering and then four degrees is permanent extinction. Yeah, like, yeah. We're talking about like, yeah, huge displacement of humanity. I mean, at that point, you might have a shift in species because some species, you know, might naturally select in ocean acidification, mm. like and cool, whatever, but we're destroying... I think it's happening population. too quick. Most yeah. of the time, these things happened over like a 10 million years. 10 million, yeah. Happen. We're doing this years. in 200. Yeah, we're not giving... We're not giving species a chance yeah. to just like... You know, you're destroying... The yeah. ecosystem, you're destroying natural food cycles. So there's yeah. going to be no food for any animal to eat effectively. And yeah, it will just die out quickly. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty brutal at the moment. So I'm, look, to be honest, I'm not feeling great. <laughs> After in this point, I felt really depressed. I didn't. I felt done. I felt I like, like, there's a point where you don't get depressed anymore. It's like, yeah. you're just like, I, I'm not even angry. Like, I remember last time we did this podcast and Patty, we were fucking fuming. But now I'm like, whatever, man, I'm just going to do what I can yeah. do. Like morally and ethically, I don't understand what is going on, so I don't really care. So yeah. I, I think, like you, Sean, which is said, which is a problem. I should care. Yeah, you, you've said all of these impacts of the different degree rises. I want to bring yeah. this back and just talk about the facts yeah. of where we're at now. Okay, so just because now that you've scared our listeners, and you know, we're not trying to scare you, but it's just true. Yeah. Let's talk about where we are at now and how serious it is. So the current temperature rise, like Sean mentioned, is one point one degrees higher than pre-industrial levels. 1.07 degrees is attributed to human action. The others are solar and volcanic drivers, which to me is just natural presses in the earth, but 1.07. Like that is, like, what is that as a function of percentage? Like over 98, 99% is caused by humans. Yeah. So that's fucking insane. Yeah. Um, global mean sea level is increased by 0.2 meters. So that's why I wanted you to talk about how much 50 centimeters actually is first to see yeah. how bad it is. Point, so we're at 20 centimeters. And the rate of rise has rapidly increased. So 1.8 millimeters per year from 1971 to 2018. Between 2010 and 2020, human mortality from floods, droughts, and storms was 15 15 times higher in highly vulnerable regions compared to regions with very low vulnerability. So Mm. that was just like sad in itself. Um, and yeah, I talked about the part, you know, if, if we do go for a very low emissions um, by 2050, you're still going to have some species loss and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So if we go to a three degree increase, 80% species loss is inevitable in Australia, in Australia, Central and South America, Africa and Asia. They're like, shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't be laughing, but it's just a laugh of... Majority of the I've Southern Hemisphere countries. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's specifically around the central band. There's actually a, a mm. mention here of... At three degrees, if you can see this this graph I'm looking at, Patty, there's yeah. like a purple band that goes across the equator. It's just like a giant like yeah. red tape line yeah. on the equator. That line is 100% species loss. 
Yeah. So uh, it's it's pretty fucking grim, man. It's <laughs> okay, very, so yeah. it's very grim. It's very. Grim. Actually, there's another one here that that's no. a species. Well, let's add, let's add, we'll, we'll say that point. Let's let's have James finish. Oh, yeah. yeah, just just like a few more things here. So see, like, doesn't not matter what we do. Even Sean saying, even if we crack down and do everything we possibly can, this part does not matter. Sea level rise is unavoidable for centuries to millennia due to continuing deep ocean warming and ice sheet melt. So because you've already started. Like it's that exothermic, that warming reaction, it will just compound and get worse. And sea levels will remain elevated. The only good thing we can do is decelerate that. So yeah. it's still going to happen. We can just like lower the rate that it's happening. Yeah. And to put that into perspective, for every 1,000 gigatons of CO2 emitted by human activity, the global surface temperature rises by almost half a degree. So to be exact, 0. 0.045 degrees. For every 1,000 gig, it's not... It sounds like a lot, but really, with the way we're going, it's not yeah, we're, a hell of a lot. Yeah. We're producing a lot at the moment uh, with the with our changes in industry. Unless we make big steps towards the right thing, if it's it's inevitable. I which think, is so dark. which uh, I've done. I I'm kind of let you guys talk to me about what's going on here with the IPCC report. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I do know about it is because I don't think you told me, or maybe somebody else from work eventually told me this, but. The uh, the IPC, the IPPC said that by 2030, developing countries need at least 127 billion per year to fund adaptation measures. Mm-hmm. Uh, measures. Yeah. So, how can we do that? I mean, adap- like adaptation methods because, can be. Well, I mean, the easiest low hanging fruit right now is energy, right? Because hmm. right, coal stations are coming offline in Australia. I mean, I'll talk from personal experience. Coal no, stations but this, are uh, offline, but this is a developing country. I feel like I, yeah. I wouldn't. I, I don't consider. I, I don't consider America, uh, even England, parts of Europe, even mm. parts, of, even some parts of Africa and Asia and uh, in Australia. But yeah. then there's other countries that that they, as you said before in the previous podcast, actually, it's like yeah. why would I care when I just need to focus on getting water first? No, no, no. Like, or- yeah, this is a, this is an excellent, um, excellent thing that you've raised. And what we have decided is because this is an international problem, you need an international solution. And so the, one of the ways to do it right is you say, well, here's a developing nation. We can't afford to not have gas. We need to have gas to run our infrastructure. We don't have time to build solar and wind. If you can help build us. We, we can help, but we can't literally pay for it. We have to use our existing... And usually this is old plants that have been donated by other countries who are after using them. So these are dirty, old... Imagine like when you go to certain countries and they have just secondhand cars everywhere. Mm. Like I was in Greece recently and they all they had was like secondhand cars from France. Like they all had like French cars because they're it's 20 like, years old. That's all they got in, dumped. And that's, then, that's also the same in Cuba. Yeah. Oh, no, well, Cuba's different. They don't have local well, manufacturing. Were, no, and they can't import from the US. No, it's because they, they, they cut yeah. off importing tires in the yeah. 50s. So you're talking just about leaving the normal yeah. 50s, 60s cars. You're talking about cars that have like don't have cat converters or anything that's. No, no, no. To... I'm, I'm using it as a metaphor. Okay. Yeah. So gotcha. what I'm saying is a lot of the infrastructure is just secondhand stuff. Yeah. So if a, if a developed nation has it first, they'll use it, they'll make it better, they'll get something new. And they'll hand the secondhand object along. Now we can recycle solar panels, or we can just give them to a nation for free. Even if they're half the power, it's a free solar panel. You're getting new ones anyways under the agreements with your governments, so you can just give them secondhand equipment. So us leading the charge, and I say us being developed nations leading the charge, then developing cheaper technologies for more developing nations to to take up is one thing. The other one is to do is. For example, us, we use a lot of coal and they take a long time to turn down and turn off, even though we've said we'll turn them off. We need to turn them off sooner. Yeah. But if we had an international solution to this where we say we can keep our coal running, but we have given money to another nation 
to keep all the forests in that nation thriving, not touched, and then we give the money to build new. So their carbon capture is actually greater than what we're emitting. And so that country now gets money to keep the forests alive. And they're doing it cheaper than what we could keep our forests alive with. So it's an international carbon trading scheme is what they call them. This is a really good way for equity to change hands, nations and developing nations to maintain what they currently have, to get secondhand materials so, and equipment, and then to get money to, to keep just the forest alive, which keeps developed nations from running and then developing ah, new technology. Okay, so, so in a nutshell, while we're focusing on the technological side, yes. we're effectively turning those countries into a carbon sink. Correct. Okay. And as we develop and get better and better, they become their own developed nations. They have more money that goes through. They then start investing in infrastructure. So there is an, there is a, it's, it's a seesaw, right? You need to say, well, I, again, like that, that thing about India, oh, I, I can't really afford to do climate change. I know it's affecting you guys, but for me, it's really big. I've got to live, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, if you look at the island nations, they scream at us saying, guys, we can't afford to do the climate change, but we are worse affected. A great example was when Scott Morrison went in and went, oh, well, you know, submarines. He went to them and said, submarines are more important than climate change. And they said, we're about to yeah. drown. That sounds, like, you're that, saying that, that sounds like me coming up with a solution yeah. for something that's just so impressive. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's like slideways <laughs> escalator. <laughs> middle, middle of the ocean dam will fix everything. <laughs> it's a good time to mention that in the report, it said the conditions that constrain individual and collective and actions. Honestly, that would help. Sorry. <laughs> poverty, inequity and injustice, economic, institutional, social and capacity barriers. Siloed responses, which we've seen a lot of, mm. lack of finance and barriers to finance and technology, yeah. again mentioned, and then trade-offs with the SDGs. So there's yeah. all of those things have nothing to do with our ability to, to actually no. do it technologically. So the technology's here. It's literally here. We've had it for about 15 years. When people say, oh, we'll just wait for some technology to save us. What are you waiting for? Fusion drives? Like what, what's, yeah. what are you waiting for? But we've ha- already got it. How do you prioritize funding? Like it's a rhetorical question because we're not going to answer it here, but yeah. how do you prioritize funding? Like that that's to me is like, you need to like- Saudi Arabian prince would always help. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have don't, build, don't build massive lines and like no 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 no. Like, <laughs> no I, I've been doing they're, email they're, they're doing massive lines yeah. but that's, oh, that's besides the point no they the, as I said before Scott Morrison idea giant solar panel in the middle of the Saudi desert I mean they, they sure. are doing some of that they're actually well I'm happy at, I'm happy about that yeah, yeah. <laughs> late to the party so, sorry. maybe I might not be way yeah. happy about the way they paint it but anyway also, yeah, yeah. James yeah. continue we've got conditions that now enable individual and collective action so inclusive governance don't know if UN falls into that it sounds like they do if you've got like that it's not really governance but it's inclusive conversations it's kind of advisory intergovernment yeah. advisory diverse knowledge and values which you know in engineering yeah. you need diverse knowledge mm-hmm. finance and innovation yep obviously Integration across sectors and timescales, yep. ecosy- ecosystem stewardship, synergies... Sorry, ecosystem stewardship. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I guess you're saying like protecting what we already have. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Synergies between climate and development actions, of what course. What does that mean? What? Synergy between climate and development no, actions. No, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the I'm playing the everyday person. Yeah, no, you, me too. You're yeah. using lawyer language on me. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying I want to continue pull- using yeah. fossil fuels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm pulling this out of the report. But synergies between climate and development actions. So I guess that's like... You know, 
the climate action is happening yeah. how do we develop our existing actually, infrastructure yeah developing yeah. a goal that actually achieves what climate needs right now not, not just, just not just oh, building it because yeah. we can yeah. oh, we're going to build one solar farm but we're also going to build three coal stations uh-huh. like, exactly yeah. <laughs> like they don't say the coal station but they say we're going to build one solar farm <laughs> two out of three ain't bad yeah. and my favourite one behavioural change supported by policy infrastructure and social cultural factors so what it's pretty much asking is private sector governments and civil society need to come together yeah. and agree on this together and it's interesting much. too because you, you look at a lot of what governments say and a lot of business say and businesses realize you can't really sell products to population that's decreasing like your company can't grow if the population goes down yeah so a lot of businesses are pushing harder than ever to get Mm. climate change fixed because they realize well if we don't do it we lose our entire audience it's like um i reckon i will we'll pin this on the uh, on our on a podcast uh, link i'll put it mm. as a link but that uh you i remember a couple of months ago or even we've been actually a year ago now you sent me a link of all the banks that actually go and yeah, invest fund in climate change and, uh, market and, forces yeah my, so i reckon if you send me that link i'll put it, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll put it on there yeah market forces it shows you what banks are investing in and moving out of and I can't say much because of my work, but I can tell you right now, banks suddenly realize how threatened they are. Mm. And, and superannuation yeah. funds too, actually. Superannuation yeah. are huge, yeah. Because we, I can't say what I do, but like banks <laughs> themselves mm, didn't he's a, really... He's an engineer on a yeah. podcast. I wonder what he does. Stop, stop, stop. stop, stop. Shut the fuck up. Stop, um, but I can, <laughs> I can tell you banks have suddenly developed like overnight teams to analyze the risk of climate change. And then they, they kind of look at the risk and go, Oh shit! And they just have a huge like blink moment, and what they're doing is if a bank says this is not risky, increase the interest rate by two percent for this plant only, portfolios die. And if banks are doing it, they're not even waiting for governments to support them; they're just doing it anyways. Um, it's a lot of private sector that are pushing climate things. in Australia at least. It's yeah. a lot of private, a lot of big multinational corporations that don't pay tax actually give a shit about climate change because even though you can avoid tax, you can't avoid over uh, underpopulation. Anyways. No. Yeah, and like I guess on that, I want to get into like the actual prognosis of this, so the adaptations and mitigation. So I'll bring in some like facts again that I've read, but from 2010 to 2019, there've been sustained decreases in the unit cost of solar energy, wind energy, and lithium-ion batteries, and large increases in the deployments. So, for example, you've got over 10 times more for solar, a hundred times more for EVs, which is amazing. Yeah, and this is varying widely across regions. And like, Sean, this is a quote from you, but I think with the technology side of it, if you want to convince people to step towards that direction, you make something so good that it's stupid not to buy. For yeah. example, an electric vehicle like a Tesla. Yeah. Like I know so many like, yeah. I wouldn't say non, well, yeah, non-greenies who are like, you know. Rev heads and car enthusiasts and classic like, oh, interpretation would, of what a car, a four-wheel motor yeah. is. I'd never get into an EV. Even me and myself, like yeah. someone who supports climate change. I love my I love my internal combustion vehicle. Yeah. I love the sound of a V8 because I was brought up on F1s. That's how I was brought up. But I love a Tesla. My Tesla is my favorite car. Right, yeah. Once you get it, you go, Wow. Yeah. How could I have seen it anyway? You forget about yeah. the sound. So I think like, how do we do that with other technologies? How like EVs mm. are one thing, but like, I think that's our that's the main solution with tech is make yeah. it make solar panels cheap to install and maintain. Well, the thing is like most of this technology is there. It's on the border. If you look at Australia, tw- over twenty, I think it's almost thirty percent of the households that can have solar have solar. Yeah. Um, mm. over half of the renewable generation in Australia is household rooftop. Your average Joe Blow installing solar panels on their rooftop make up half of our renewable generation. It is incredible. Joe Blow right here. Oh, yeah. Joe yeah. Blow 2 right here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Joe Blow 2? 3. Oh, <laughs> sorry. 
but in terms of technology, it's there. It's just scaling up the financial tools in institutions to support them. It's just getting them in a, the right space because the right, like for example, I don't mean to make this a spoiler. You are buying an electric vehicle, yeah. But the one of the reasons that you got it was because the government must be nice tax break. Right, it just became economically well, viable with thing. a small change of policy. I've, I've wanted a Tesla for the last three years, but obviously I'm 24 years old. I'm not yeah. going to go and spend my life savings on a car. Yeah. But the government has, like, you know, we got a fairly progressive government yeah. now has made it very easy for people working in certain yeah. industries to access electric vehicles without spending yeah. their whole pay on it. So, like, all right, we're going to give you an EV. Just makes sense. And right? we just like, okay, you have to pay $900 a month. Oh, but you already spent half of that on fuel. So it's like. Wait, so I'm spending a few hundred dollars to drive my dream car and I'm doing my bit to like reduce a majority of greenhouse gases? Take my fucking money. Yeah. Like that's the, to me that's, is a no-brainer. That's like the, literally the perfect example. If you make just a small change of government and it wasn't a big change. It was just something small. Everything just falls into place. The technology's there. Yeah. We just need it. So yeah. on the technology being there, because I, I read that the global modeling predicted we have to get away from this whole idea of carbon capture and storage. Like I think the IPCC has this consensus now. We have to just like... Mm. switch off from that and go okay we need to just go completely to zero carbon energy sources unless it's localized ccs where like yeah. if you're producing your own if carbon you're on you a capture, mine and you capture the methane yeah okay but, that, but, but yeah. that's but when we think of ccs they talk about a pipe that goes into the underground where you pump your, your co2 emissions it can work yeah but see that doesn't doesn't work like on a big scale as we've seen but localized ccs is like using a zeolite bed to capture little bits of yeah. carbon stuff like that yeah. little technologies so Back onto your point, the technologies that we have, we don't need to improve them at all. Like it's is it like so storage for example, hydrogen it's, storage is there. You don't need to make that better. I think you know your storage does need to come down. In Australia, we need to look at about seventy to one hundred billion dollars of investment in just storage alone to maintain this future grid. Yeah. And that's just with coal coming off, gas going away, um, hydro being really difficult to do. Um, it's battery. It's, it's We need to invest in batteries. And But that being said, the price of batteries have come down in the last six months. There's no reason for them to go back up. There's every driver that they're coming down. So as yeah. long as they continue on trend, we're okay. okay. Uh, you're right, storage needs to come down. That is a solution that we need in the late 2020s. Right now, it's okay with what we've got. But even now, we're getting huge storages of batteries. We're looking at billions of dollars of batteries coming in online now, today, yeah. already, without that much support for them. So even then, we're already across the economic balance. Okay, cool. So that's t- this is like the long-term solution and something I talked about you offline is dealing with the short-term and how important mm. this is. So we've got the long-term strategy there of how we're going to sort of minimize this overshoot as much as possible. Yeah. We have an agreement, right, that it's inevitable that people will suffer no matter what yes. we do. How do we now deal with that? In those like third-world countries, what is this like? Do we need to expend more resources on fixing that problem? Or do we just say... I'm sorry, it's too late. We're going to use all our resources on the long-term solution. It is it is a combination of both. Obviously, like if you have a town that's flooded or a neighbor that has been hit by a tsunami, you react, you respond. Yeah. You have to be neighborly. Again, imagine the world is a neighborhood. It's not you in your backyard. It's just not you there. If someone's house on fire, you help them out because it might hit your house too. Yeah. So we are reactive by nature. And so while we will develop plans and procedures to help mitigate climate change in the long term we also need to re- deal with it the short term yeah but having like a uh, some funds available to help that out we have all as an as a civilization as a race of human beings contributed it to climate change yep. therefore the problems should also be shared together we should all help each other out I that's don't a great think, point that's I, a great point yeah, yeah. 
I again, if if you, again, if you lose your neighbor, then your neighbor's not going to help you out when you get into a bother as well. Yeah. It's a two way street. You've got to help out everyone else. And I know everyone's going to be like, oh, international communist. No, it's we're a fucking race of human beings. Let's help each other out, man. Is it that hard? Oh. But yeah. yeah, just in these situations, we have to be reactive. We should have either finances set aside. United Nations also do like a lot of work with that, where they have they create funds with the express. Uh, purpose to help out nations when something happens yeah. the imf does that as well like there's a lot of different settings i, I, I suppose play. like the point i'm getting at say i thought the un was all talk the un is generally all talk but if they say look we all need to agree on money and then people throw in the money again ndcs nationally determined contributions australia has done that we have sent money into a fund that has gone to help tsunami victims to in japan uh floods overseas firefighters we have done that and through like things like United Nations, there's been bushfire fighters that work in California in their summer, then work in Australia in our summer. Yeah. Perfect sense. They work all year round, but we fund that program. They fund that program too. So we have a cooperation. Again, so there's there's dialogue that needs to happen, but it's the, the, the countries that make the difference. Yeah. It just sounds like we've got like 20 to 30 years until we're in like the, the crux of the pain. Do we have enough time between now and then to develop technologies that are going to deal with these intense heat waves, deal with these intense floods? Can we build infrastructure to manage it as much as possible? That's my question. Like coming from a a construction background, that's like what I see is something we need to look into as well. Climate change AI. It's honestly having an AI. It's a terrible idea. Not a terrible idea to to understand of what's happening. I mean, I think some of I'm not sure if Venice is... No, no, Venice's Mo system isn't using AI, but they Mo's, could. Yeah. But they have projection methods and whatnot. Venice will be first to go. Venice is... Venice I mean, is Venice definitely is experiencing gone. some damage now. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. No, it's definitely gone. Yeah. I'm not joking. I'm yeah. I, love, I, love, I love the fact yeah, yeah. the Italian said that. All the fake Italians said that, all right. Yeah, no, no, but he's right. Yeah. Even even now with the Mo system, 40 days a year, it floods. It floods. Like the water that comes up to the level, not to the point where it's like causing death and whatnot, but waters through the streets. 40 days a year, mm. right? Yeah. And it works pretty well in yeah. the most system. They're the worst it. of the floods are stopped by the Maos. You're right. Yeah. But they're just general flooding. If, if that's happening now, water's going up to your feet. Now, imagine that plus 50 centimeters. Your leg's gone. Shops need to move. Oh, where do they move? Back to the mainland. Venice is gone. Yeah. So that, that was going to be another point. Like, do you take those people out? And just build infrastructure on a plane where, like, they can actually live. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, can you take those people out and say, hey, 300,000 people can't live there. I need to now build 300,000 yeah. lots for them yeah. to move into. What is the cost to move in civilization? Like, that, it's got to be trillions. Is that more expensive than dealing with climate change? I would say no. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. SpaceX looking into multiplanetary <laughs> species. The thing, right, is, like, what would the cost be to get a million people to Mars? Versus save a billion people on the planet. I think they're about the same. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you think about the cut, it's like $50,000 to get something just in the upper atmosphere the, per kilo. Yeah. Oh, civilization. The, the, the reason why I do hope we, we solve this is because I, multi, becoming multi-planetary space, species would be really good. Because Correct. if we could colonize another country, we know from our previous mistakes not to fuck up the next planet. So then a species could live there. No, I wouldn't say peacefully. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to make that speculation, but they would will not destroy that planet, for example. I mean, the thing is, right? If, let's assume we got a million people to Mars by 2040. Which right? is which is actually what they want to do. A yeah. million people by 2040. So there's a lot, a million people. By that, our population is probably over 10 billion, right? And then yeah. we destroy Earth. So we're sacrificing 100% of the population for 0.01%. 
I'm that not, seems wild. No, no, no. To me. I'm saying if we even save, even if it's a million people, yeah. If we, even if it's a million, that's not likely. If we save Earth, for example, and I, yeah. touch what I hope we do, and then become multiplanetary, we're fine. Agreed. We've, we've solved, we've solved yeah. our issue. Yeah. Now we're on Mars. Now we're on Titan. We're living on the the moons of Saturn. That'd be yeah. amazing. I'm not sure the atmosphere, or the 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 orbit would support us. But I, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, 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 but it's interesting to think about. Is yeah. like that's yeah, that's the next step. Like, and I think. We fuck this up. We we don't we, we yeah. screwed our opportunities up. We we have literally civilization right now has about 150 years if they want to survive or just be a speck of dust in the universe. Yeah. That's that's our choice. So the, the question will come down to: Do you want to say? Do you want to have a generation after you, or are you happy being the last one? To quote Helen Lovejoy: "Think of the children. Think of the yeah. children. Think of the children." Yeah. I mean, I believe in reincarnation. I hope I get to come back, and I'm living on fucking through a wormhole on Miller's planet going for a surf every day on 300 foot waves and that blew out very quickly didn't it but That's you know nice. what I'm saying boys you know what I'm saying okay. reincarnation we'll- to a different civilization is actually quite an interesting I, theory uh, I, like I, I, I just want to get this I, I want to get this right so James's final thoughts on the IPCC report is him uh, he's, surfing he's got to check out space. policy he's got a B plan yeah well, at the end yeah. of the day Patty yeah I do want to help I do want to help the future generations, but yeah, I want to be able to, mm. you know, still surf when I'm 70 years old without, you know, living yeah. living underwater. Now you got to think of that, yourself that, as well. That is like, a simple pleasure in life, and I respect that 100. Yeah. percent Look, I just want to just end, and I know that we've talked about this podcast in a doomsday tone. I get that, but overall, <laughs> there are ways that we can reduce it. James is right. <laughs> it's not all bad. Yeah, <laughs> the, the window has realistically shut on having no damage. It's it's like going off a barrier of a cliff, right? You've, you know it's going to hurt, but how you land is up to us still. And so, like, technology is ready to go. We just need the financial institutions. Policies are working in certain places. So we just need to keep increasing what our policies are targeting. And we're already looking at doing that now, which in Australia is great. Land feet first yeah. so we protect the head. Exactly, yeah. Um, acting together. Again, that whole neighborly conversation about the universe, or that planet, we do need to work together. Um, and the more we do it, the better we'll be. And finally, every little bit of action helps. And we're not talking about you separating um, your pizza box from recycling to your normal garbage. By the way, recyc- uh, pizza boxes cannot go recycling. Let's clarify that. Anything that touches food waste cannot go recycling bins. Oh, um, okay. No, I didn't well, know we that. need to fix yeah. that. But if as a nation we come together and hold everyone responsible and we say, okay, let's make a difference, every single bit of effort helps. Yeah. And so even if you feel like you're not doing anything, just making small changes, switching banks, switching superannuation, um, eat, lead, not eat less red meat. Doing a bi-weekly yeah. um, Earth Day. Well, not, no, the, the thing is, right, what you both mentioned is individual, um, individual actions, which are good. I definitely support them. Um, they are huge changes forward. But 78% of po- like, uh, pollution is made by like 20 companies. Yeah. If you keep those 20 companies in line, you don't need to worry about recycling as much because they're the ones who do million times worse. Well, this is the thing. Like, I want to come back to yeah. a point. You don't have to shut down every coal station in the earth to get to net zero. Like, you don't. You, you just have to shut yeah. down as much and go, okay, you can keep those online. We're at net zero. Yeah. Done. Legit. If you keep enough forests online, you can run dirty. Yeah. It's like having um, a cheat day. <laughs> you can, As long as you're eating healthy the other six days, cheat day a week is fine. Yeah, that's what we're saying. We say there's a perfect balance there, and we can find it together. But we just need to work together. That's all we're needing to say. 
Yeah. And that's our goal. If you're listening to this podcast and you know 100 people who just deny it, just refer them to the IPCC report and tell them it is referenced by a lot of independent sources. It's not... Yeah. Like, people go, it's money-funded. It's What benefit is... Does a money-funded report have like yeah. how the money that you would fund for this report actually doesn't go to the scientists? They go to different technology that's yeah. already out somewhere else. And and also, if you don't agree with us, please let us know, message us, reply yeah. to us, and we'll happily we'll, and, and, and we'd love to have a dialogue with you. Yeah, yeah. again, uh, open dialogue is the best way for. Won't it. be me. I'll be Sean and James, yeah. but you know, I'll be you, witnessing. No, no, but I totally agree, Patty. You, you can't punch your way through everything. Look, at some point, some people are never going to be convinced. I get that. Go into any argument accepting that you might be wrong and that you might not convince the other person. Yeah. But I'm always happy to talk about this because at the end of the day, it is it is affecting us. Mm-hmm. So. Alrighty. On that Th- note, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. To see more Engineering Dads content like this, head to our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and I'll link below to see our other projects. Have a good one.